the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Wednesday morning, the 10th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks again so much to Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. So I want to pivot away from the national politics of the day. Obviously, Nikki Haley stepping down yesterday. We broke that literally as it was happening and break it. But we talked about it as the story was breaking. And uh, discussed her stepping away from her post as the uh, ambassador to the United Nations. That is still a big topic of discussion today. The hurricane, Michael, a cat four, um, just dead-eyed for the Florida panhandle. Obviously, a lot of these things are of great concern to a lot of people. Our prayers, by the way, are with anyone within the sound of my voice who who has uh, family or friends or anyone being impacted by that storm. It's weird. You know, whenever I'm doing one of the national shows for one of our Salem uh, syndicated hosts, you know, we're talking to the whole country, spend a little more time on these natural disasters, um, you know, that that impact a certain part of the country. Uh, But when I'm just doing the local show, I know they can't hear me down there, but I bring it up only because there are people. I've got friends in Florida. I don't know about you. I've got friends in Florida, and mine are down more in the South Florida side rather than the Panhandle, uh, down in the Miami area. But, of course, when they get targeted, uh, I'm always concerned and checking in on people that I know. So I'm sure there are some people here as well. So I offer that just to those who have um, uh, family, friends, relatives, whatever the case might be, acquaintances down there that are in the target of the storm. Our prayers are with you and your uh, loved ones. And, of course, everybody down there in the path of Hurricane Michael, which is going to be a very, very devastating event. Now, having said all of that, meaning there are a lot of national stories, I want to bring this one back closer to home. And I want to talk about it from the standpoint of its locality, but also of our church. I'm a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, baptized and confirmed as such, raised that way, raising our kids that way. And um, quite honestly, I'm concerned. And I know I'm not alone. 
we talked about this again at some length in some depth uh, prior to the Kavanaugh circus from uh, starting when Diane Feinstein played her 11th hour Hail Mary card and uh, and threw the whole country into a tizzy for the last three and a half, four weeks. Prior to all of that, we were talking about the Catholic Church and the sexual abuse scandal. We were talking about the number of individual priests involved. We were talking about leadership, bishops and cardinals reassigning individuals, uh, trying to cover uh, for them. Uh, and obviously, we were looking at Pope Francis and saying, where's the culpability here? How can this be allowed to continue? Uh, we talked about it from a theological point of view and from a criminal point of view. How come these individuals who have been committing these acts aren't going to uh, to, to jail for them? So we were in this a bit and talking about the direction of the church. And again, getting sidetracked by Kavanaugh for a while, um, we stopped talking about it. And I want to go back to the state of our church now. John Carroll University is a Jesuit school. Jesuits, of course, being an order of priests, basically, uh, founded by, uh, you know, it's a part of the Roman Catholic order of priests. Let's put it that way. I won't get into the details. But it's Catholic. It's Roman Catholic. John Carroll University is like so many other uh, universities. However, it would appear in its incredible um, affinity for liberalism and its uh, refusal to accept its exclusion of its censorship of speech that um, in any way, shape, or form is is variant from theirs. Um, conservatives are essentially not welcome. Conservative voices are not welcome, it would appear. Now, we know this is the case across universities from one end of this country to the other. Uh, the indoctrination of young students is what the left has, has staked their future glory upon. Uh, and it's a pretty effective strategy, quite frankly. But we have an example here that I wanted to share. There was an op-ed in a, in the John Carroll uh, School newspaper called the Carroll, right? The Carroll News. That's what it's called. It's called the Carroll News. Written by the editor, op-ed editor, whose uh, name, a student whose name is uh, Declan Leary. Now, full disclosure, I reached out to Declan Leary. Uh, I don't know that I have his email address correct. I had to take a couple of... Uh, gambles on trying to find a way to contact this young man, and I sent them out. They have not yet been returned, but they may not have even been received because I may not have gotten it right. Point is, I want to talk to this young man so that we can have this more personal discussion of what he wrote uh, and get it firsthand. So since I did not reach him, I want to read his, his column to you. This is what he wrote for the Carroll News on October 1st. Headline, Drag Queens and Jesuits. About a year and a half ago, he writes... It came, uh, came time to inform my family where I had decided to go to school. None of them had ever heard of John Carroll University, so their first question was, is it Catholic? And I could only think of one appropriate response. No, it's Jesuit. At the time, I was only half serious. But then I got here and began to realize that my joke hadn't been far from the truth at all. Every Sunday, at a Mass where I wasn't allowed to kneel, because reverence for the Eucharist runs counter to our equality at the convivial meal, or some commie mumbo-jumbo like that, I sat through a 20-minute homily whining about the President and saying nothing about the Lord. In theology classes, I received at best a vague, watered-down, progressive sort of Protestantism, and at worst, a self-righteous and entirely delusional liberal secularism. And about a month into my freshman year, I realized just how far the Society of Jesus had fallen when I started noticing posters for JCU's annual drag show. 
I can't help but wonder who thought it would be a good idea to hire grown men to dress up as women on a Catholic campus for the deviant entertainment of misguided young people. It is a terrifying testament to the decay of our faith and our university that throughout the approval process for this event and the six years for which it has now continued, not a single person in a position of authority stood up, or at least stood up with sufficient strength, to suggest that perhaps such a flagrant celebration of sexual perversity just might be wrong. This offense, and the many like it being perpetrated on other nominally Catholic campuses across the world, is more than just a deviation from doctrine, though that in, and, that in itself is sufficient cause for condemnation. It is an assault on the dignity of the human person and the divine gift of ordered sexuality. Even further, it is a scandalous attempt at the corruption of Catholic youth by the very priests and lay people charged with their education. This op-ed continues in the Carroll News. That's the John, if you just turn on the radio, the John Carroll University uh, School newspaper, the Carroll News, by a student who continues writing, It's bad enough that the society fails to properly educate its students in the ways of the church. But when it descends into deliberate actions of sexual deviance in its educational institutions, it has crossed a line that cannot be ignored. They are not who they say they are. It is time for John Carroll University either to radically alter its actions and its character or admit the obvious and unfortunate truth that it is no longer Christian. Michael Johnson, in his first year as president of the university, has some important decisions to make. Chief among them will be whether to redeem the muddled Catholic character of this institution or to continue its descent into heathenry and heresy. If he chooses the former, his most important task will be to purge this place of the evils that have invaded it in the names of tolerance and progress. He should start with the drag show, for which there can be no rational justification, and focus on our community's efforts and attention on much more important matters. Our church and our world are plagued by sexual sin, demonstrated clearly by the recent news coverage of abuse scandals. In the face of these tragedies, many traditionalists have suggested that we desperately need to return or need a return to a conservative sexual ethic of chastity and respect for the divine construction of our nature. The Jesuits and their progressive allies, on the other hand, seek to redefine our nature in order to conform to the culture of sexual perversion, instrumentalization, and commercialization, which has so ravaged the human soul and body. We cannot be immoral, they seem to be saying, if we redefine our morals to justify our sins. This cannot be the solution. We are terribly, terribly lost, and our salvation will not be found in watching troubled men make fools of themselves in miniskirts and stilettos. That's the op-ed in its entirety from uh, the Carroll News, written by a student named Declan Leary, that has gotten the attention of Cleveland.com, the plain dealer, and others, because this was not well-received on what is widely regarded as a very liberal campus, like so many others. This is hate speech. (laughs) Now, I'm going to go ahead and state the obvious. Anything that liberals disagree with is, is, is hate speech. In their mind, it must be described and declared as such in order to have it censored. If you don't like something someone else says... Declare it to be hateful, therefore it can be censored with little, with little trouble. We don't allow hate speech on campus. Now, hate, spe- hate speech, hate speech, rather, 
it, you know, can be defined in a variety of ways. It's very subjective. Calling for the murder of someone, calling for terrorist actions to be taken, uh, insulting someone on the basis of their of their race. There are a lot of different ways to to interpret what hate speech is. But one thing we can be certain, in my view anyway, is that for a Catholic or Jesuit school student to complain that his Catholic-slash-Jesuit school is turning away from Catholic-Jesuit teachings and more toward progressive deviancy is not hate speech. It's a cry for a return to Catholic and Jesuit tradition. That's not hate speech. But it must be declared as such in order to have it censored. And that's exactly what they're doing. Cleveland.com's piece says, Members of the school's LGBTQ community, already feeling isolated on campus, feel the column contained threatening and hostile language. And labeling the column hate speech. I just read it to you word for word. Did you hear any threat? Did you hear any hostility? Did you hear him use any slurs? He described what's going on on campus as being deviancy, which is directly the opposite of what the Catholic-slash-Jesuit tradition is supposed to be teaching. There was nothing hateful in it. It was simply a call for a return to Catholic norms. Now he is being attacked, as most conservatives are, in on liberal campuses and in liberal schools. I have seen it up close and personal, even in an all-girls local Catholic high school. One that my daughter attended. I've seen the very same thing happen. If you have a differing point of view, particularly one that is conservative in its origin, you are a target, not only for other students, but for administrators. And now Declan Leary is finding this out firsthand on the campus of John Carroll University. Again, I've reached out to the student. I'm hopeful to hear from him. I'm also going to reach out to the university to see if I can hear from them to, to discuss this matter. But for now, it's just me and you. 216-901-0945 on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1026, now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. So some interesting uh, dynamics at play in some of our Catholic-slash-Jesuit um, universities and schools. You know, I mentioned a, a personal experience. Um, you know, it's one where that I've seen far too often, um, you know, and, and I've seen people be being wrecked by the... Um, Intolerance, and that's the funny part about it. Those on the left consider their, them themselves to be tolerant. They ridicule and criticize the right for being intolerant of other points of view, et cetera, et cetera, when it's they themselves who make, um, uh, who make anyone with a conservative point of view feel ostracized and unwelcome in these environments, whether it be in Catholic high schools in a lot of cases, including the all-girls one on the west side of, of uh, Cuyahoga County that I mentioned before, or whether it be colleges like John Carroll. It's just an absolute shame what is being done in universities and schools that are supposed to be rooted in Catholic tra- tradition. Navy man Norm knows all about this. Uh, he graduated from a Jesuit high school and... Uh, uh, Navy man Norm, what's going on? How are you, sir? 
and also attended John Carroll for 10 years in evening school under the uh, GI Bill back in the late 60s and early 70s. Wow, I didn't realize that. When it was still Catholic. And, Bob, I I want to get a hold of this young man, Declan Leary, because I'd like to buy him a a case of beer or whatever, because he spoke, I mean, to write what he wrote, especially in today's uh, secular humanist society is unbelievable. He had the courage of his convictions and put that out there, and I want to make sure he hears from us, uh, whether it's via the Carroll News or writing a letter to the president of John Carroll. But you're right. You're spot on. Uh, my alma mater, St. Ignatius, uh, has been over backwards, as has uh, St. Edwards, uh, to accommodate uh, transgender people and uh, cover my alumni magazine from last December. Uh, after I wrote and told them not to send me anymore with two young men with their arms around each other, it's it's an insult to the teachings of Christ. And I was just at Mass this morning, and one of the homilies was, anything that detracts you or anything that obstructs you from the teachings of Christ and what the Gospels say is wrong, plain, simply wrong. And these deviates and their conduct drag queens masquerading at college campuses in sport or fun, or the vagina monologues at Holy Cross uh, or St. Mary's College and Notre Dame at South Bend that they put on every year. Yep. Uh, It's totally an insult to the Blessed Mother and to Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, I was just telling your screener, and he and I agree. What was loved is now hate what is good is now evil in the eyes of all these people you know it's like somebody turned the world upside down and and it and it's being allowed to be that way by the leadership that's the thing it's not just these kids it's not just these you know misguided kids these secularists and so on and so forth who um you know, want to advance their progressive ideals and isolate and ostracize conservatives and Catholics and Jesuits and people who believe in in everything that you just talked about in the Word of the Bible and so on and so forth. It's the leadership who is supposed to be championing that Bible and supposed to be pushing those ideals and saying this is why we founded this school to advance these things that that are for the good of the world, for the moral, um, uh, you know, improvement of our society to spread the word. And and they're the ones who are actually you know allowing these kids to get away with it and. Encourage Encouraging them to do so. Well, look at uh, Georgetown with that crazy, insane, uh, insane woman. That's who right. About uh, killing, uh, killing uh, white males, and this isn't her first. And then castrating them and feeding the the remains right. to swine. And and the university said, "Hey, free speech. She's allowed to say what she wants. We encourage free speech here." But I promise you, if somebody were to, were to say that about a a protected class, if some conservative teacher, not that there are any in those campuses, but but if some conservative professor was to say something similar about a protected class of people, whether they be you know in the LGBT community or a minority community or in a uh, uh, or just a progressive Democrat. Community, if you say something like that about them, I promise you that individual would be would be fired and uh, and and probably have uh, you know such a negative negative um, uh, you know stamp on their personal record. They never get hired anywhere else again. Well, I wrote an email to their president. His name is Degoya. That's his last name, and I says this is what I've come to expect from you uh, under your tenure at Georgetown because it was a scant uh, five or six years ago when you covered up the corpus of Christ to accommodate one Muslim president who objected to giving a speech with the corpus of Christ hanging on the wall behind him. And you went ahead and you covered it up. 
I yep, mean, that, this. That that's well said, Norm. I've got to, Norm. I've got to cut our conversation here because I just realized it's ten thirty-two and I'm late, well past my news. I've got to get to news. Talk to Nan Baker coming up as well. And if you want to hang on, I'll come to you after that on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Forrester and the Ad Council. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1035. Now the Bob France Authority does continue on AM 1420. The answer, by my count, that leaves us with 25 minutes of outstanding awesome remaining. Then we're going to give it to Mike Gallagher for his uh, uh, version of awesome, followed by Pragers and Medveds and Seculos and Elders. And then Joe Walsh. Stay here all day if you are into news talk, conservative news talk. Uh, go nowhere else. This is the only place you're going to get it with the analysis that you get here, free of the buffoonery you get in other locations. Um, we'll come back to the story of John Carroll and uh, what's going on with our church uh, and too many of our church-affiliated institutions. But I want to take a break here and talk to Nan Baker, Cuyahoga County Council a woman uh, from District 1. Nan Baker joining us on AM 1420. The answer, Nan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm doing very well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you. We do this at least once a year. Uh, we have conversation always when it comes to pancake. You know, you have me at pancake. That's a thing. You reach out to me and say, hey, can we talk about pancakes? I'm like, yep, you're in. Uh, I got no problem with that whatsoever. How many years have you been doing the pancake breakfast now? This is uh, actually our 11th year. It's hard to believe we took over from the um, Jim Petro breakfasts, which now puts us, gosh, almost to 30 years of uh, wow. continuing that, con- that tradition. For us, it's, this is our 11th. But, you know, Bob, even beyond the uh, pancakes and the fun and the music and really the uplifting of getting our Republicans on board to make sure they vote this year, uh, we have a lot of local candidates. And when I say local, I even mean statewide. So we have our um, Supreme Court justices, uh, Mary DeGenero, and we have Judge Baldwin, both uh, running for the Ohio Supreme Court coming, and Dave Yost, who, of course, is running for Attorney General, and Keith Faber, Ohio Auditor of State and Frank LaRose, Secretary of State, and Robert Sprague, Treasurer of State, and even Anthony Gonzalez for our Congressional District 16. Those are all candidates that a lot of people may not have had the chance to meet. And this gives them, for $5 a ticket and pancakes and a good time with camaraderie with others that are there, to actually meet these candidates for face-to-face and talk to them. And that's the value of this, uh, this breakfast. Uh, we'll have others, uh, Supreme Court Justice Maureen O'Connor will be there, and our county council members, and mayors, and uh, judges. That's another one. We have quite a few judges coming uh, that people haven't seen or know about that are very important in making sure that we get them either reelected or elected. And that's the value of this breakfast. And hopefully, as we have in past years, we have three, four, five hundred people come within that three-hour period. We, uh, are we also ta- have Peter Corrigan that is coming uh, that will also uh, be on the ballot. And uh, we have to support, of course, our governors, uh, Mike DeWine and John Husted, candidates for governor. All, uh, all good things to talk about this Sunday. 
You know, it is so important. We're talking with Nan Baker, Cuyahoga County Council member uh, with District 1 and uh, this very important pancake breakfast. Uh, you outlined a lot of what I was going to ask you about, so you obviously are a pro at this. You know exactly what uh, <laughs> uh, what to get out there. But but it's so important, everything. And, and, and the key word that I think you just said, as you listed all of the different people who are going to be there who are already elected officials and some of the leadership in the Republican Party in the county, uh, but but the candidates, the key word to me is vote. Um, we, right. we have so many people. You mentioned Peter Corrigan towards the end of that, those remarks there. It is so important for people to know. I don't know how many Cuyahoga County Republicans know uh, that Peter Corrigan, uh, you know, the successful business uh, experience that he has would be the perfect person to lift Cuyahoga County out of, you know, the, the malaise, if you will, of the Armin Butish and the Democrat rule that, um, you know, that, is, that has been so pervasive in this county to find a way uh, to, to improve this county economically for businesses, for workers, and so on. Peter's wonderful. I've had a chance to meet with him. He's going to be there on Sunday, yes. Uh, he he is certainly somebody that uh, we need that business background. We need someone who not only appoints the directors but actually engages with them and makes sure that what they do he is he is aware of. We have 14 subpoenas right now that is very concerning. We have two uh, directors that are on administrative leave. We have our auditor, uh, state auditor Yost, also with a, a subpoena that has just been recent. Um, you know, Cuyahoga County, the unemployment is too high. We have a budget deficit coming up of about 14 or 15 million that we need to figure out how we're going to um, balance that budget. A computer system that we are all carefully watching that is uh, had its share of issues. Uh, three charter amendments will also be on the ballot. One of those, most importantly, is the Inspector General giving him more subpoena power, more power away from the administration so that he can do what he has to do to make sure that things are done as they should be and money is spent and bring it to our attention if he suspects any wrongdoing. All those are very important things that um, people, I hope, are aware of and know the importance of voting uh, in November. I really hope they do too, Nan. It's, uh, you know, this, everybody's been talking about the federal elections and obviously they're right. very important as far as our uh, control of the uh, U.S. House and the U.S. Senate, but uh, so many of these statewide elections are just as important. Uh, and I want to give everybody the where and when again here, Nan, just to make sure we have everything, uh, uh, you know, all the information out there. So it's this Sunday from 9 a.m. until noon. It's right. in Rocky this River. Sunday, right. Go, go ahead. You want to give the info? Go ahead. Sure. It's this Sunday, October 14th from 9 to noon at the Don Umerly Civic Center. That's their memorial hall. They need an address. It's 21016 Hilliard Boulevard. Uh, we've had it there at the same place. Even Jim Petro had it there at the same place. Mayor Bopes, of course, uh, will be there, and we'll have the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, just just a great time for everyone to get together and really reinforce the importance of voting on, in November and knowing who their candidates are that they can make uh, an informed decision. Nan, do people need tickets ahead of time, or can they pay their $5 at the door? They could have paid ahead of time, but they certainly can pay at the door. Okay, uh, so it's... do, just come, yes. It's $5 for adults. It's $3 for kids who are between the ages of 5 and 12. If they're 4 and under, they are there for free. Uh, but it's yep. just a, such a great uh, great event to, to really kind of rally people together. And, that, you know, it's not just about the politics of it all. I should point that out. Yes, it's sponsored by the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County, and all of these candidates are going to be there. But it's also just great community, isn't it? Yes, it is. It really is a, a fun time. We have a DJ there that plays wonderful music and People bring their family and friends, and 
it's just a lot of talking. In fact, when we have the, those speaking, we have to quiet everyone down. They're having such a good time <laughs> talking among themselves. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Everyone who comes, we always have repeats of people coming again for the next year. And um, really, a, it's been a thrill to be a ho- the host of this commit of this uh, breakfast. And um, we look for another successful one on Sunday. Well, I know there are a lot of people who are really appreciative of you for keeping this tradition alive. The 11th annual uh, Pancake Breakfast hosted by Nan Baker. Again, it's coming up this uh, uh, this uh, Sunday at uh, 9 o'clock, 9 to noon, Sunday, October 14th, in Rocky River at the Don Armerly Civic Center Memorial Hall. So look that up. Again, that address is on Hilliard Road if you need to, Hilliard Boulevard, rather, 21016. But uh, Google it up if you need to, and don't miss this Pancake Breakfast, a great community event, a great way to you know, share some camaraderie with like-minded people, and then also, of course, to rally support for these conservative and Republican candidates who are trying to uh, improve our county and improve our state and improve our country. Nan, really appreciate the t- uh, time to talk with you that we always have. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on, Bob. Take care. It, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. That's Nan Baker uh, joining us again. She is Cuyahoga County Council District 1 representative. And uh, I, I can't say enough about Peter Corrigan. Uh, candidate for county executive. Armin Butish has been essentially AWOL in this county. Uh, it, it, and it's huge. I don't live in Cuyahoga County, but I'm just, you know, I think uh, it goes without saying. As Cuyahoga County goes, so goes Northeast Ohio. Uh, it is the biggest county uh, containing the biggest city, and its economic growth or stagnation is impacting and feel, and it, it is impacted and is, is felt uh, throughout the region of all of Northeast Ohio. So you may live in Lorain County as I do or Summit County. You may live in Lake County or Portage or wherever it is that you might be. You're, you have, you know, you have a direct, um, uh, not an impact. What's the word I'm trying to say? You are impacted directly. How about that? By what happens in Cuyahoga County. So you certainly, uh, are welcome at this event and to come and support uh, these very important candidates. All right. Uh, thanks again to Nan Baker. Let me get a couple of calls in before we take our traffic timeout. We'll go to who's been waiting here. Um, Mark in Westlake, waiting for a long time. Thank you for your patience, sir. You're on the air. Oh, go no ahead. sweat. Yeah, uh, I graduated from St. Ignatius High School eons ago, and one of my boys graduated from there. If things were as they are now, then my son would not have gone to that school. It sickens me what the Jesuit schools have turned into. I consider them not even Roman Catholic schools. Uh, they, they A couple of years ago, they let go two wonderful theology teachers who are not liberal enough for them. They're disgusting. That's my well. Theory. That's yeah. I know that's what happened. It's in Ignatius. In fact, my last caller, even Norm, is in Ignatius. Yeah, he's an Ignatius grad too, and he talked about that. What happened there with those theology teachers last year? Um, oh, and disgusting. It's, that's the yeah. one I'm talking about. Yeah, and I know that upset a lot of people, including alumni, who are saying, look, if you're not going to support the mission of the church, which is what our school you know, is, is all about, then we're not going to support the school financially and in other ways. And I, you know, I hate to always bring it down to money, but whether it's the church or, or pretty much anything else, that always seems to be the, the only thing that really moves the needle. Uh, and that's why I said with the um, refusal of church hierarchy at the Vatican to hold accountable and remove people like Cardinal Whirl, who are responsible in such large part for the uh, atrocities, the abuse atrocities, to me, the Vatican gets not another nickel in the basket, not from me and not from anybody else, until they clean up this house and return and restore uh, you know, the, the teachings of the church. And I, and, I, and I think that should go to the schools that, uh, that claim to be Catholic or Jesuit as well. 
and show it in the way they live and show it in the way they talk and their views. And they and many of the people we know know that we're practicing Catholics and the way we talk and what we say, they know this, this is our views regarding our faith. That's exactly right. That is exactly, and that's in this article that I read, this op-ed that was written by this young student at John Carromark. Was he? He was, you know, and, and and a little bit. Some of it might have been aggressive. Some of the language might have been aggressive. Things, you know, sexual deviancy and sexual. Um, um, I, I can't remember some of the other words, and it might make people uncomfortable. But the bottom line is, you need people to hear the strongest possible terms that the faith that the church was rooted in is being eroded by the leadership of the church. They're embracing of non. Um, you know, Catholic or Jesuit uh, theology and 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 you know, the message and the word of the Bible. You know, their their embracing of these, just the opposite of that, needs to be called out for what it is in order to spur anybody to actually you know take any action. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Over the years, as I was growing up in a, in a, a large <laughs> Irish Catholic family, when they would take a, a, a pedophile priest and transfer him to another parish. You were doing that new parish a disservice, sending a pedophile priest into that parish. You're 100% correct. That's one of the reasons why so many people want, yeah, that's why people want, you know, heads to roll at the highest levels. Those who would make those decisions to transfer uh, an abuser from one place to another without warning... Without warning, the new parish and the new school and the children and so on and so forth of of who is in their midst, uh, it's it's you know it's just feeding them a smorgasbord of more victims and uh, uh, right. it is absolutely shameful. Mark, I appreciate your phone call. Thank you so much. Uh, let me move to uh, South Euclid next. Luke, you are on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks for calling, Luke. Go right ahead. You bet. Um, I heard your uh, conversation about Jesuit education. I'd just like for you to know and your listeners that there is a little school in South Euclid called the Lyceum, and I think we've recovered what the Jesuits have lost. We uh, we have an enduring education. We go back to the uh, best uh, works in Western civilization. So our students, I teach a little philosophy class. They're reading Plato right now. In history, they're reading the Magna Carta. They'll be reading the Federalist Papers. Um, and it's something that word ought to get out a little bit more, and I'm trying to do that right now um, um, and let your, let your listeners know. So our students study Latin and Greek. They study, this, they study this one particular thing that I think is so important because they learn how to think. They study Euclidean geometry, something that Albert Einstein studied, um, Abraham Lincoln studied. You can go back, Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton. Um, Students need to, to get back. I think one of the things that uh, we, can, we can say is that we've tossed out the textbooks. Um, textbooks, you get sort of second-rate minds um, commenting perhaps on, on first-rate minds if, if they're doing that. So, so we have moreover, a, moreover, those second-rate minds, if, if I may, I'm sorry, but, uh, and I'll let you continue in a second, but those sure. second-rate minds um, pushing material and information that is... Uh, that is also laden with their own biases. Um, we have seen more and more and more of modern textbooks, um, you know, kind of, kind of being, you know, embracing the same progressive ideology that we're talking about in a lot of these Catholic slash Jesuit schools. These textbooks are the indoctrination books to advance progressive uh, ideology. And your school, from what you're saying, teaching the classics, teaching, you know, from the actual wording of the classics rather than the watered down version, then also, uh, you know, kind of um, uh, including the you know the biases of the of the textbook uh, 
uh, you know, companies and and the schools that choose to purchase those things, that's that's a that's a value that I can't even I can't even put a price tag on. Yeah, it's a it's a great education. It's available right here in Northeast Ohio, and uh, people who want to provide their children with a, an education or their grandchildren, they ought to look us up the Lyceum dot org. Um, we'd love to have you sometime. Perhaps come over and, and take a visit yourself. I, I'm just—you had me, by the way. Uh, you caught my caught my ear when you said you, your students t- uh, learn Latin and Greek. I didn't know any Catholic institutions or Jesuits or anybody else taught Latin anymore. My father-in-law is always talking about when he had to learn Latin in his, uh, you know, in his Catholic upbringing. That was gone by, by the time I I went through the uh, through the system. Yeah. So our students who start in us, we, we're we're sixth sixth through twelfth grade. So the students who start with us in the sixth grade will have seven years of Latin. Um, at least four years of Greek, and some of them, uh, some of them up to six years of Greek. So now, so now, what actually, is it, 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 the Latin part? Like I said, is kind of traditional in old school uh, uh, Catholic teaching. But um, yeah. what's the, what's the reason for Greek? Is it is it because of uh, the philosophers? You're reading Greek philosophy, or what's the reason for the Greek uh, uh, part of the education? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, foundational to Western civilization is really the Greeks, and so we'd like to put our students in contact with with the Greeks, um, and an original text in Greek. So we have our juniors right now are reading Saint John's Gospel in the original Greek. They're 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 working their way through, I think, uh, chapter one of Saint John's Gospel. So, so uh, and again, it's 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 an additional formation in in helping them to build their vocabulary. They're they're sort of doubling down on grammar because all the distinctions they're making in Latin are also being made in Greek. And so they're they're forming, you know, one of the great liberal arts is is grammar and and, and so learning to 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 read, to write and to think well uh, is is uh, is part of what they do and, and one way to do that is study those classical languages. Well, listen, I've heard of the Lyceum, and I've actually heard some commercials, and I think I've been on the website before, too, but I didn't really, I've never really gotten all of the information that you just gave. And considering the subject matter today, I really appreciate you doing that and letting people know that there may be an option out there for people who, are, you know, who still believe in the actual uh, theological teachings of the Church and, uh, and who don't water it down and, uh, and allow it to be corrupted by the progressive movement of the day. Uh, so thank you so much for calling in with that, Luke. I really appreciate it. Take care. You got it. Uh, the Lyceum.org, by the way, if you're interested in this Catholic. And I'm looking at it now. The classical Catholic education. That's what the Lyceum is um, is is all about. And uh, I have to tell you, uh, there's not enough of that, quite frankly. There's really not. I'm not saying there aren't other good Catholic schools. My children attend a Catholic school right now that I absolutely love. I absolutely love and I do not see the progressivism and the things that we're talking about at some of these other schools and universities uh, taking over there. And I'm so proud of that. Um, but some of them do. Some of them do. And, uh, and if you're looking for an alternative, there you go. All right, 1053, we'll uh, get out and come back in again. Try to squeeze in a call or two more before the top of the hour. Name 1420, The Answer. Ten fifty six, final segment of the Bob France Authority on this uh, Wednesday morning. Really, really good conversations with um, uh, with uh, Nan Baker, and then in the first hour of the program, we talked with Dave Ray from the Federation for American uh, Immigration Reform. Uh, I've reached out again. I'm going to continue to do so to the student uh, who wrote the op-ed at John Carroll that kind of prompted the second hour's conversation this morning. 
And uh, I'm also going to reach out to John Carroll and see what they have to say. It, it should be noted that the editorial that was run opposing the drag queen show at John Carroll in the name of Catholic and Jesuit teaching and tradition, written by a student named Declan Leary, uh, that ran in the uh, John Carroll newspaper. And I'm going to tweet this out again when I'm done here uh, on the program. So if you... Uh, uh, if you are on Twitter, you can go to uh, Radio Done Right. Find me at Radio Done Right and um, uh, read these things for yourself. I read them on the air. But it should be noted that the op-ed that he wrote was not some rogue piece. Um, it did get green lit, and this is to the credit of the John Carroll University newspaper staff and faculty member, it did get the green light from those individuals. Um, the newspaper faculty advisor said this was okay. Uh, the editor, the student editor, backed the column, saying it went through new, numerous edits. The editor-in-chief is a student named Olivia Shackleton, a junior who is also interning, by the way, at Cleveland.com. And she's the managing editor in the newspaper's faculty. Oh, I'm sorry, she, along with the newspaper's faculty advisor, approved the column. And they said, quote, his language is a bit extreme, but he does it to make a point, and he does it so people will talk about it. Shackleton also said that the writer's perspective is rarely vocalized on JCU's campus because of the liberal progressive mindset that is so pervasive. In other words, conservatives can't expect to be heard without being ostracized, if not outright intimidated and bullied by the liberal uh, you know, majority on the campus. So it's important to note that, and I'm going to try to follow up with an interview with uh, one or both sides of this whole thing on tomorrow's program. That's all the time that I've got for you today, though. Thanks again for being a part of it. Thanks to uh, David, and thanks to Nan, and thanks to you for listening, being a part of the show. Great conversation with all. Uh, Tomorrow, back again at 9 o'clock, stay where you are, because Mike Gallagher is coming up next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a blessed day. Enjoy the silence.